Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from Psalm chapter 51. This is one of the seven penitential psalms of David, probably one of the more powerful of the penitential psalms. And this psalm was written during the time of 2 Samuel chapter 11 and chapter 12. Nathan the prophet has come to David and pointed out David's sin. If you remember the horrible moment in the life of David, David, a man after God's own heart, stayed behind while the army had gone out for warfare. And while he was on top of his palace, he looked upon a woman, a woman that was not his wife, and had this affair with Bathsheba. Many would look at in the ancient world he abused his power in a lot of ways as being the king and forced himself upon this young woman. Then he had her husband killed. So it's a heinous act that David has done. And Nathan, Nathan the prophet points out this sin, this grave sin. And David comes to this moment of repentance. And it's at this time of repentance that David writes this psalm. So let's read through Psalm 51 in its entirety from the English Standard Version. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in my in truth and in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your way and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Do good design in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you delight in the right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. So as we look through this psalm, we see this this building up. He begins with this literally begging for mercy in the beginning. He's asking for God to have loving kindness, steadfast love. This is hesed love. This is covenant faithful love of God. And the covenant faithful love of God is a committed love. It's a love that Even though we're sinful and we're weak and frail, God still loves us nonetheless. And that's what David is asking for here. David doesn't deserve it. He knows he needs grace. Anyone that says that the Old Testament doesn't understand grace, they need to read Psalm 51. The Old Testament totally understands grace, and David understands grace. David is taking personal responsibility for his sin. Five different times in the first three verses, David uses the word my. These are my sins. These are my transgressions. I I'm guilty of what I've done. I can't help but think of the prodigal son when he comes home to his father and he has it built up in his mind. He's going to tell his father, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. 
And David has that same heart. He's no longer worthy to be God's king. And so in verse 4, he says something really interesting that I think we need to look at carefully. He says to God, against you and only you have I sinned and done what's evil in your sight. Now, when we look at this and analyze this, we realize that a lot of sins include other people. In this case of Uriah and Bathsheba, other people are involved in this sin. Joab was involved in this sin because David asked Joab to put Uriah in the, the front of the battle so other people were involved in the iniquity of David. So David is not saying that other people are not involved with this sin, but he's saying the crux of the matter, what really matters, is this sin against God. I can't help but think back to Genesis 39 when Joseph is in the house of Potiphar's wife and Potiphar makes an advance at Joseph and he says, you know, this will be a sin against my master, Potiphar, but really it's going to be a sin against my God. And so that's really what's most important for us as followers of God, of people of God, is it's our creator that we sin against. It's he that we turn our back to when we sin in this kind of manner. So David understands the serious nature of of his sin. It's so serious that he speaks in hyperbole in verse 5. He says, you know, I was born in iniquity. Now, some would point to this and say, well, this is a, a verse for original sin. And that's not it at all. That's not what David is, is doing here. You don't need to build a, a doctrine up on, on a psalm like this. David's speaking in hyperbole, saying, my whole life is vexed with sin. There's sin all around me, the sin of my parents, the sin of everyone in culture, it's almost like we, we regurgitate sin. It's so prevalent in our society. And then we see this, this change in verse 6, where he starts to speak in these future tenses. Lord, you are going to teach me. You delight in truth, God, and you're going to teach me. You're going to give me your teaching, your truth. And then in verse 7, he talks about purging him with hyssop. And the image here is of a leper. When a leper would go before the priest to be cleansed, they would use this ceremony with hyssop, hyssop, and it talks about being whiter than snow, and this would be the cleansing that a leper would experience. So David is like, I'm, I'm infected with sin, literally. It's that prevalent in my being. I need it purged out of me. It's almost like a stench. It's as if my, my clothing is, is nasty and smelling. It needs to be washed and clean. That's how I feel. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you've done something in your life. You've had a a sin in your past and you felt that way like it just clings to you this sin and you wanted to just wash it off and and to just erase that feeling of guilt and that's what David's talking about here we have this real human person 3,000 years ago speaking in language we can understand here's a guy that's so guilty and so broken and so contrite he feels terrible for what he's done he just wants it to go away and he tells God in verse 9, just hide your face from my sin. Don't look at it. Blot it out. Blot out my iniquity. And then in verse 10, we see, see something interesting. He wants not just an outward cleansing. So far, he's talked about the hyssop his and, and God washing away his sin, this type of outward righteousness. But he also wants an inward change. He's asking God to give him a clean heart, to renew his spirit. And this is a supernatural thing that God's going to have to do. We know in the New Covenant we're promised that the Holy Spirit will come into us and change us and give us a new heart and change our heart of stone into a heart of flesh. And that's what David's asking for, a new heart. And maybe you feel the same way sometimes, that your heart is deceitful. We know the heart is so important. Proverbs 4.23 tells us to keep our heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Guarding our heart 
with vigilance is so important. Our heart and what, what we take in and, and what we ingest into our inner being is going to come out. If we're filling our life full of garbage and horrible thoughts and, and hedonism and, and lust, it's going to come out in horrible ways. And so this episode with David and Bathsheba and Uriah is something that just didn't happen overnight. This had to have been a gradual creep in David. We've noticed in the story of David, David takes what he wants, especially when it comes to women. And so it came back to haunt him here in this story uh, with a vengeance. And so we're reminded in the wisdom of the Proverbs to, to guard our hearts. Our hearts are so important that springs of life come from our heart. And then in verse 11, David asked God not to take his presence away from him. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me, Lord. And he could be thinking back to Saul. If you remember, Saul, the Holy Spirit was taken from Saul back in 1 Samuel. And David may be thinking about that right now, thinking, well, God took the Holy Spirit away from, from Saul back in 1 Samuel chapter 16. It could happen to me too. So he said, Lord, please don't depart from me. Don't take your presence from me. And then in verse 12, he just wants joy again. He's so destitute. He's so crushed by his sin. He wants God to restore the joy of salvation. He wants his spirit renewed where he's no longer broken, but he has a willing spirit. And David wants a total transformation to the point he wants to teach other people. He's like, Lord, I want to be restored to the point I can go and teach transgressors your way. And he talks about blood guiltiness. If you look at the end of 1 Samuel and the beginning of 2 Samuel, you'll notice that David is really concerned about blood guiltiness. It's something he does not want to have on his hands. And here he's saying, I'm guilty of, of Uriah's blood. I'm guilty of innocent blood, and I, I want this away from me. Then he talks about this idea of not delighting in sacrifice. And you may think, well, that's weird because the Bible has all kinds of commands for sacrifices. So why would David say this? And David is speaking in hyperbole. And what he's saying is God will reject even the best of gifts, even the best of sacrifices, if they're not offered with a contrite heart. God doesn't have a problem with the sacrifices. He has the problem with people's attitudes that bring the sacrifices before him. So that's the point David's trying to make. And then at the end of this psalm, we have this prayer for Israel, for the nation. Because as the king goes, the nation goes. So David wants a righteous nation. A righteous nation needs a righteous king. So this righteous king will have a lot to do with a righteous nation. So he talks about Zion and the walls of Jerusalem and good sacrifices for God's people, right sacrifices with contrite hearts. And so we get this total comprehensive picture in Psalm chapter 51 of a man that's broken, a man that's sinful. He has the stench of sin upon him and he wants it, wants it wiped away. He wants a new heart. He wants fellowship with God, and he wants the joy of his salvation again. So I hope this reading has helped you. I hope it's given some humanity to this person, David. I hope we've learned a lot about this guy and grown to respect him in so many ways and maybe empathize with him in his own frailty and humanity and sinfulness.